Welcome to Guided Way Ministries with Pastor Alan Rogers. In a fast-growing cold world, this message offers you the bread of life and an opportunity to drink from the fountain of living water. In this message, you will hear only the truth, and if you do not want to listen to it, turn it off. If you are hungry for revelation in the Word of God, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you are looking to be spiritually uplifted, be willing to listen, and listen with all your attention. For what you will hear in this message is not carnal, but spiritual. We hope you are blessed, edified, and fully rejuvenated in your spirit to continue with everyday life. Well, please stand to all. I thank God for all he has done for us. Thank him for being so good to us, letting us see another day. God has been really good to us. I thank God for everything that he does. Everything that we go through, we can always learn from it. Everything that we see, if we let God teach us, we can learn from it. A long time ago, in 2016, I slipped in the restaurant. I was a chef, and I tore out my meniscus and my ACL, and the doctor said that it would never grow back normal. It would be that way for the rest of my life unless I had surgery, and I wasn't really feeling the surgery part. So I was going to do it anyway because they were going to give me $100,000 if I got surgery. So I was like, $100,000, you can cut my leg all you want. But my heart condemned me like, you don't, don't, don't do that especially for money so I I said I wasn't but money makes people do things so I was like you know what I'm gonna do it anyway so I went to the doctor to get the surgery but when I signed the paper and, and, and when you go into surgery you have to sign your life into the hand of the surgeon you cannot just say I don't want to sign these papers you have to you have to sign your life over to the hand of the surgeon and so when I was filling out the paperwork and I signed my name and I, I put the date at the top of the paper and the date was 666. And I said, you know what? I'm not getting surgery today. That's not going to happen. And so I didn't. I told him, you know, I want a second opinion. It's not happening today. And he was really angry. But don't come back to my office until you're ready to get surgery. I said, you ain't got to worry about seeing me no more. I'm gone. So I left. And I never got surgery. And every now and then my knee will act up and it will hurt really bad, like not too long ago, a couple days ago. But when this happened this last time, I begin to say, Lord, you said that with your stripes, we are healed. You promised us that whatsoever we ask the Father in your name, he would do it. And I begin to remind God of, of the things that he's promised us. And he began to remind me. I said, with my stripes, you are healed. But you can't have my stripes if you don't have me. You can't say, well, God said I will be healed, but I don't have Jesus. You have to have Jesus in order for his stripes to heal you. He said in another scripture, I sent my word and I healed the people. 
but you can't get that healing if you don't have the word. And so I begin to say, well, the more that I read and the more I have Jesus, the more my body will be sustained. It will be taken care of because it's supposed to be dead anyway. And we are quickened by the spirit of God. So then I begin to say, you know what? That makes perfect sense because when I'm in church, I don't feel all the pain that goes through my knee. When I'm with God, when I'm preaching, when I'm even in my house and I begin to start talking about the Bible and going through the and, and I begin to pace up and down because that's just what I do. I don't feel all that pain. I could feel that my knee is tight, but it's not really that hurt. If you want to be healed, he said in another scripture, he said, I would you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Take more Jesus. You don't need medicine. You need Jesus. Take more Jesus and you will be just fine. And if the God lets something happen to you, it's for a reason. It's never a bad thing. So if you see me limping around, don't feel bad or anything. It's just a, what it is, what it is. And it will be just fine. But today we're going to be talking about don't limit God. God can do anything. There's nothing too hard for God. Whether it seems small to you, big to you, medium to you, nothing is too hard for God. He can do absolutely anything except fail and lie. Are the only two things that he can't do. But anything else he can do. So if you're looking for a failure, you're going to the wrong person if you're going to God. If you're looking for somebody that's going to lie to you, you're going to the wrong person if you're looking at God. But if you're looking for somebody that can do absolutely anything big or small, you need to only go to God because he never fails. He's always on time. All power belongs to him and there's nothing he can't do. He is all that we need. We're going to be reading in Nehemiah. I'll be reading that one, the second chapter and the first verse. We're going to Psalms 78, 41, 1 Chronicles 4, 10. Luke 10, 1 through 2, 1 Kings 18, 30 through 39, and Nehemiah 4, 11 through 14. Let us rise. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for another day. Thank you, my God, for your many blessings. Thank you for your mighty outstretched hand. Thank you, my God, for being so good to us and letting us come together one more time to hear your word. My Father, give us the bread of life and that living water that we will hunger and thirst no more, but we will be satisfied in Jesus. My Father, let this seed fall upon good ground. Don't let me say anything that's according to the flesh, but let me say only what is of the Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. In the book of Nehemiah, the, the story of Nehemiah really, really gets my attention a lot because it talks about a man, Nehemiah, that was by himself in a way of speaking and went to seek out the Jews. The Jews had, had sinned against God and they had been... Uh, captured and carried away captive and, and they were in this land of captivity. But there was a man named Nehemiah and he was a prophet and he although he was carried away captive he still never lost his faith in God. And he was the king's cupbearer. We're going to read in Nehemiah the second chapter in the first verse and it says and it came to pass in the month of Nisam in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king 
that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city of the place of my fathers, the sepulchres, lie waste? and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him. For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to me to the governor beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber, to make beams for the gates of the palace which pertaineth unto the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Let me tell you something. You know, these this day and age, it's not only about our house and it's not only about our building, but if you look around the world and you see that the joy of the Lord has been taken out of people, it's like their walls have been consumed with fire. It's like the devil came in and began to destroy the people, the city that they are, the temple of the living God. The devil has begun to break down the walls and everything and when you break down a wall there's no more protection there's no more anything when the wall is destroyed anything can come in and go out and as you see in the world that is going on anything almost is fine it doesn't have boundaries anymore in this world. It's getting so twisted because there's no walls, there's no protection, there's nothing. It is just whatever you like to do, do it. And back in the day, the Bible said that the children of Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If you like it, do it. If you don't like it, don't do it. It's all up to you. There is no boundaries. The walls of these people have been broken down have been consumed with fire. But there is a man, and his name is Jesus, that came to repair the breaches in these walls. He came to rebuild the Jerusalem. He came to build you and I, to bring us back up a temple of the Holy Ghost. His name is Jesus, and that's what he came for. But then after he was crucified, and he died, and he rose again, we later on began to put Push Jesus out of our lives again and now look at the, what the world has become but I want you to think about this man Nehemiah he didn't say that Nehemiah had a whole group of people it was just Nehemiah 
It doesn't take a whole group of people to make a change. It takes one person to make a change. God can begin to change the entire world through one of us. There's a lot more power in the more numbers that we are, but it just takes one. And God can begin to work miracles. And he saw the heart of Nehemiah that he was willing to go and put his own life on the line for Jerusalem. What are we like? What kind of soldiers are we? Are we willing to put our lives on the line for God's people? For the church of God? Are we willing to say, Lord, you could use me. You could send me anything you want to do. I'm right here. You can do it. Are we that kind of people? We're going on. To verse 9. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Then when Sambolet the Huronite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. When you, when any one of us turn to the Lord, it grieves the devil exceedingly that there is another soul that is going to help build the church of God. The church that Jesus is coming back for, whenever one of us turns to the Lord and leaves our wicked ways, the devil begins to get angry because there's another soldier that's going to build the church of God. There's another soldier that's going to go and win other souls because we don't just serve God by ourselves. When we serve God, he gives us something to do, and that is to spread the gospel to other people, to gather more people to God. He said, other sheep I have that are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And so when we turn to God, the devil gets mad. He gets mad because there goes another soldier that cares for the temple of the Lord. There goes another soldier that cares for God's creation that will fight and we will win because we have Jesus Christ. We're going to go to Psalms 78, 41. Yea, they turn back and turn to God and limit the Holy One of Israel. This is the problem these days is that we begin to limit what God can do. See, Nehemiah, he didn't limit God. He asked the king for everything he wanted. I want a passage over the river. I want timber so that I could build not only the, the wall, but I could build the house that I'm going to be staying in. And I want them to be able to help me. And not only did the king give him what he asked for, he gave him beyond that. He gave him the captains and horsemen to go and fight for him. And the same thing that God does for us, when we ask Ask Jesus and we say, Lord, I want to be in the army of you. I want to build the church of God. I want the Holy Ghost. I want the gift of healing. I want the gift of prophesying. I want to be able to edify the body of Christ. Not only does he give us what we ask for, but he also said you can do what I did and greater. And we have access to legions of angels if we need help. He gave us a captain, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the captain of the host. And he gave us all the angels to fight for us. When we just make up our mind that we want to be part, don't limit God. Don't say, Lord, well, I need a, uh, my knee is all messed up, but I don't know if you can go that far. Don't limit God. He can do anything 
and absolutely anything. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. It grieves God when we limit him. The word limit means to set boundaries, to enclose, to make your territory smaller, to grieve. So when you begin to pray and you begin to ask God for something and your mind says, okay, that's a little bit too big. He might not do that. You're just putting boundaries on your own self. You're not letting God use you to the fullest because you think something is too big. He said, don't limit God. He said, I can make rivers in a desert. I can supply food in a starving land. I can do whatever I want to do if I want to do it. Don't limit God. When you pray to God, believe that he will give you what you ask for. When you pray to God, just believe it. I will receive it if it's his will, and you will get it. He said the children of Israel didn't make it into the promised land, not because they were bad. He said a lot of times this is a wicked and a stiff-necked generation. They don't change, but that's not what got them kicked out. What got them to miss out on the promised land is because they didn't believe. We have to believe and then we will get what we ask for if it's his will. We will get it. Believe. Don't limit God. Don't put a limit on him. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It says in another scripture, grieve not the Holy Spirit which means don't put boundaries on what God can do. Lord, I want you to save Klamath Falls. Okay, well just the church. No. I want you to say Klamath Falls in Oregon and the United States and if it's possible, can you send me somewhere to another country because I know you can do something over there too. Don't limit God to the small portion because the Bible said the heaven and the heavens of heavens can't contain him. There is no place that can contain God. So when we ask, believe and don't ask for something small when you can ask for something big. Ask for the biggest you can think of. Lord, I want it all. Not that I'm selfish, but I know you got it. And I want it all. I want every gift that, I'm, that I can get. I want it and I want to use it all. Every spiritual gift. He said, I give you access to every spiritual gift in heavenly places. So if we have access to it, that means we can't get it. So why are we settling for one? Get them all. Not for ourselves, but for the welfare of the church and the edification of the body of Christ. To use what God has blessed us with. Don't let us limit God. We're going to 1 Chronicles 4.10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. See, Jabez didn't have boundaries. He said, enlarge my coast. I thank you for what you gave me, but I want more of you. I want to be able to do more for you. I want to be able to serve you on a way different level. I want you to enlarge my coast. I might be preaching in Klamath Falls, but I want you to enlarge my coast that I can preach to not only 20 people, but I can preach to 100. And when I get to that 100, I'm going to pray that you enlarge my coast again so that I can preach to 1,000. And when I get there, I'm going to pray that you will enlarge my coast again because we need to want more and more and more because one can chase a thousand, two can put ten thousand to a flight, and the threefold cord is not easily broken. We need to not limit God. 
Lord, thank you. And I'm just, I, this is good. I'm, I'm content with what I have. Let us be content with our materialistic things. But when it comes to spirituality, let's not be content. Let's not hinder God. Let's not stop God. Let's not put him in a bubble. Let us say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Wherever you want to send me, I'm ready. Whatever you want to do with me, here I am. Because there's so many people that need that man that will go start building those walls again. There's a lot of people that are hungry and thirsty for God, but there is no man that will go and help them build somebody with the patience that no matter how stubborn they seem to be, will not give up on them until God says, okay, that's enough for that one. Because if God does say that's enough for that one, then you're really wasting your time trying to save somebody God said I'm done with. He said I will change them over to a reprobate mind to believe a lie. I will make them see delusions. They're going to think they're doing good and they are not. But until that day, we need patience to be able to build these walls. We're going back to Nehemiah. Go to the 17th verse. Then said I unto them, see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the walls of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no part, portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. When you begin to work for God, the devil will mock you to your face. He will let you know that what he thinks, that it cannot be done. That you're wasting your time praying. That you're wasting your time reading. You're wasting your time going to church. You're wasting your time giving your life to God because there's nothing that God's going to do because the world is too bad, too bad. But I refuse to believe that. There is not a sin on this earth except blaspheming the Holy Ghost that God won't forgive. So then it's beyond me to say that God can't save the world. If he saved me, he can save anybody. So I'm not going to give up because I know what God did for me. I know where he brought me from so I know he could do it to the rest of the world. Those that want to be saved will be saved. Those that want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will have a chance to do that. And then if they don't want to, they don't want to. But it's not because they didn't have a chance. 
So it's up to us to say, Lord, you can send me. You can use me wherever you want me to be. I will be there. Don't let the devil discourage you just because you pray and it feels like God's not there. Don't let the devil discourage you because you pick up your Bible and you read and it feels like it makes absolutely no sense. Let the devil know that the God who we serve will strengthen us and will fight for us and he is listening to everything and watching what we do and he will strengthen you and he will bless you to be able to rise above and to build the walls of Jerusalem. We're going to Luke 10, 1 through 2. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. It's ready. The people are ready. But where are the laborers? We need to be those laborers to go and to gather the people to come to the house of God, to get them to understand and to know that there is a God that is waiting for them to just say, okay, I give up. Here I am. There's a God that is waiting with open arms, ready to forgive any sin that they did. When Jonah, God told him to go preach to Nineveh, he was like, nope, because those people are wicked. And if I preach, I already know that if they change, you're not going to punish them. You're not going to do anything. You're going to just be like, oh, and so I'm not going to do it because they deserve to be punished. But that's not the kind of God we serve. Jonah was right about the God we serve. He was right. God was waiting and still is waiting. And no matter how ugly we seem to be, when we say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to do that no more. Good for you. Punishment's gone. I don't care how angry he is. He changes that fast. And when Jonah went down there and did preach eventually after he got swallowed up, when he did go down there and he did preach, the exact same thing he didn't want to happen, happened. When the king said, you know what, okay, we're going to all repent. We're all going to fast. And maybe the Lord will have mercy. Not one of them was punished. They were all forgiven like nothing ever happened. And it made him so angry, he wished to die. Because they were some pretty bad people. And they would fight the children of Israel a lot. They were the children of Israel's enemies. But what did Jesus tell us? Love your enemies. Pray for them that persecute you. Bless them that curse you. God's not going to tell us to do something that he's not going to do. So all those children of Nineveh, uh, there was a big, a lot of people, I think it was four score, something thousands of people, all in an instant in three days of Jesus, I'm sorry, but forgive him. You think he can't do that again? They had more people than Climate Falls does. So I know God can do it to Climate Falls. If we let our light shine, I know we can do it to Climate if he did it then he can do it now all we gotta do is let our light shine we gotta be that Jonah without the I don't want them to be forgiven part and go and preach the word and God can do the same thing nowadays we're going to 1st Kings 18 30 through 39 now this is a man that did not put a limit on God whatsoever and Elijah said unto all the people come near unto me and all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, 
Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran down about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell to their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Elijah did put a limit. He not only put the stones, but then he poured water. And we know, all of us in here know, I'm pretty sure all of us, know that wet wood don't burn. We all know that you put fire out with water. And we all know that no matter how long you burn something on the ground, it will still be dust. And we all know that stones, they put them on the fire in a sauna so that it can be hot and the stones never burn. But when you are messing with God, he doesn't have limits. There is no limits with God. He can do anything. When you pray, just believe. Because when Elijah prayed, he knew that the God that I serve has no limits and no boundaries. I could soak this wood as long as I want to. And the God that answers by fire, his fire cannot be put out. He is a consuming fire. That fire came down from heaven and got the stones, the wet wood, the water, and got the dust. There wasn't even any more dust left. We have a God that is powerful. He has no limits, no boundaries. So what are we doing putting boundaries around God? Saying what he can't do. Praying with the possibility of it might not happen. Asking God to do something and in hopes that he will, but in the back of our minds, he might not. We need to stop praying like that. Knowing that when we go to God, He is a God that has no limits. He, has a, he is a God that can do anything and beyond our wildest imagination, God can do it. Who would have thought about putting water on a sacrifice when you're trying to light it? But Elijah already knew it's not the fire that I do. It's not nothing that I do. It is what God does. And what God does, nothing in this world can stop. Nothing. No powers, no principalities, no nothing. You think about the children of Israel and the plagues that they went through. Could you imagine a hail ball on fire, burning ice? That was dangerous. That was very dangerous. It was hailing burning ice balls. That is, why would we put a limit on God? There's no way that uh, you could light the fire or the ice all you want. It's just going to melt, but not with God. He'll light that hailstone and throw it right at you. <laughs> and it won't go out. And you can't put it out either. Let's not limit God. We're going to Nehemiah 4, 11 through 14. And our adversaries said, 
they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence she shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. You know, the devil will always try to tell you it's not going to work. You need to just stop because this isn't going to work. But don't let that bother you. You need to fight for your brethren. We need to fight for each other. We need to fight for the world. We need to fight for the Lord God Almighty. We need to fight for the house of God. We need to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. We need to stand up for each other and pray one for another that we may be healed. We don't need to worry about what the devil has to say. Because for one, we know he's a liar. And for two, we know what he's here for. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. So we can't listen to him. We have to know, you know what? Jesus said, do it this way. This is exactly the way I'm going to do it. And at the end of the day, it will prosper. They finished that wall of Jerusalem. And it was sturdy. They built the whole wall. And they went and they called the people that had been gone to come back to the inheritance of the Lord. We can do the same thing if we let God use us. We could do the same thing to go and bring them in back to the house of God, to turn their hearts back to God. We can do the same thing. We just have to stand up and be willing to go for it. Don't limit God. Let that fire come down and burn up the water and the stones and lick up the dust and everything else that's in its way. Let him be God and let us be his servants and he will do it. Then we will start seeing more miracles happen. Then when we don't limit God, he has no boundaries. We want to see something big, stop praying for something small. You want to see God move, then ask him to move. That wind last night, it was... I was laying on my bed and it was so windy. And I was thinking, this is nothing. If he wanted to, he could turn this up and none of these trailers would be sitting right here. <laughs> if he wanted to. Because he can do anything. But he wants to save our souls. He wants us to live with him. He said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let us be servants of God. Let us not limit the Holy One of Israel. Let us give it everything that we got. And when we pray, let us not doubt. Let us pray in faith. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. We're going to open the altar. If anyone needs prayer, just come up. There was a man. There was two men, actually that went to the temple and they both prayed one of them prayed and he said Lord I thank you that I'm not like this guy I fast and I, I give my tithes and I do this and I do that and the other one all he did was smote on his chest and said Lord have mercy on me a sinner and Jesus said he went justified I will justify that but the other guy I'm not going to justify him when we pray, as long as you pray from the bottom of your heart, whether it's a few words or a lot of words, if you mean it, he'll listen. He'll listen. You don't need to 
scream and, and, and pray and just do what you don't need to do all that. If the Holy Ghost leads you to do that, then go by all means. But if you just pray from the bottom of your heart, whether it's simple, Lord, just here am I. He'll honor that. And he'll be right there to bless you. Just believe when you pray. Yeah. 
begin to talk to the co-workers, my God. Begin to move in our jobs, oh Lord God. Let not the devil prevail in any kind of way. In Jesus' wonderful mighty name, my Father, you rule. You, you rule. You rule in heaven. You rule in earth. You rule the hearts of men. You are God all by yourself. And I thank you, my God. Lord, be in our jobs. Be with the clients. Be with us. Lord, you be the judge. In the mighty name of Jesus. You judge, my God. Let the judge of all the earth have your way, my God. In earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' wonderful mighty name. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Amen. The word of God that you have heard and received with an open heart to live it out actively with all of your being will yield you a bountiful return. Thank you for listening to this message as I hope it has been a blessing to you. Our goal is to show you the path of life and an opportunity of a lifetime. It is Christ's love and support that makes this opportunity possible. Please visit Guided Way Ministries online for more products, partnership, or to join. Visit us on Anchor to become a listener supporter. May God bless you, may he keep you, may he shine his face always upon you, and may he forever keep you.